It's historic. It's euphoric. It's iconic. They score again. They smile again. They dance again. This stage, same script. Good morning, afternoon, or evening, depending on when this finds you. Uh, welcome to Everything Soccer. This is the MNUFC podcast where we'll be discussing a little soccer and a lot of everything. Uh, I'm Steve McPherson. I'm a writer for the club. I guess I'm the writer for the club. I, I think so as well, yeah. The lead writer, I don't know, head writer. Do you give yourself a, a I'm one of those lead writer. Yeah. Lead writer sounds good, doesn't it? <laughs> I was thinking about it this morning. I was trying to figure out if I should just say a writer. The no, writer. Give, when give, I talk to the players, your, I say. Give yourself the credit you deserve, okay. Lead writer. <laughs> the lead writer for the club. <laughs> and I'm joined by this, this other man, uh, Callum Williams, who is... Uh, speaking right now, and I, I think his job is mostly to speak with a British accent and <laughs> sound good. So, um, but what exactly do you do around here? Well, I'm still trying to figure that out, Steve. Actually, um, <laughs> I've been here for a year, still scratching my head. Um, play-by-play commentator, broadcaster, um, sounding British, uh, perhaps uh, another title. I, I don't really know to be honest. It brings a little gravitas to the organization. <laughs> you know, so in a future podcast I'll break out all my different British accents and you can evaluate them. You do that and I'll do my American. Okay. There we go. <laughs> Fair but this is this is our first episode. So just to give you a lay of the land, we're gonna sit down like this uh, every other week or so, depending. Uh, we'll see how it goes as the season progresses. And talk about what's going on with Minnesota United, stuff in MLS, stuff in soccer generally. But also, we're going to get into the weeds, uh, as we already did before we even got to explain what this podcast is. But we're going to bring in guests, which is going to be exciting once we kind of get rolling. We'll bring in some players and coaches, staff. You know, there's a lot of interesting characters and people here at Minnesota United. So we'll be talking to them about, again, about soccer and then a lot of everything else. So, But let's jump right into some stuff today. Last night, Christian Ramirez did not play the U.S. men's national team with whom he was uh, training for their January camp. Did you get to watch the game? I did. I did. And I was immensely disappointed, not only with uh, the news that Christian wasn't in the 18, but just with uh, the whole evening. Um, it, it was obvious that there was um, a group of, of new young players together who hadn't played together a whole lot. That's to be expected because it's a January camp. For me, I was more frustrated with the fact that there were several people on the field who we had seen before. I'm a fan of of Jordan Morris. I I like the way he plays. I think he's going to be a future US star. He's already had a a wonderful rookie campaign, hasn't he? I know last year wasn't particularly wonderful, but Jassy Zardes as well, a a player who I I like, and I think he's going to to flourish at Columbus Crew, actually. But we, we know what these players can do. We've seen them before. So I, when I saw the lineup come out, I, I was particularly puzzled as to why those individuals were playing. Because you have someone like Marky Delgado on the bench who won MLS Cup last year and was a, a pivotal part of Toronto FC last year. Mm-hmm. Give him a cap. Right. Give him the opportunity. Why not? I, I, and I'm not necessarily saying start him, but give him an opportunity. And the same has to be said with Ramirez as well. Regardless of, of what has happened over the, the last couple of days, whether he was good in training or not, give him an opportunity. Because, in, in my opinion, having this this will be my eighth season now covering US soccer and Major League soccer, the January camp in the past has been used to give people an opportunity. Now there were you know a couple of people in there, younger players like Tyler Adams, for example, 
who it's always good to give them minutes, give them national team reps and will trap as well, because they are going to be a part of the fabric moving forwards. Mm-hmm. Whereas someone like Ike Okara, who is 27, 28, may not necessarily be a part of it moving forward, but after a, a Defender of the Year campaign, is more than worthy of 90 minutes for his country. Sure. But I, I must admit, Steve, I, I was really disappointed with what I saw on, uh, on Sunday evening. Um, and if anything, it just brought up more question marks than answers. Yeah, I mean, especially after a really disappointing, obviously, World Cup qualifying for, or lack of qualifying for the U.S., and then a lot of talk about they need to reboot it, they need to start from scratch, they need to cast a wider net. And here you cast, you know, just a slightly wider net, right? Mm-hmm. You're just, you brought in some guys who haven't been brought in before, and then they're not getting, they're not getting those minutes. I mean, and it was also a 0-0 game that seemed, you know, not tremendously dynamic or or exciting. Uh, I mean, you got to feel like Christian could have brought some of that, maybe some goals, maybe they could have scored a goal. Christian well, it, it, it certainly lacked cutting edge, for sure. There were, um, there were a couple of... A couple of deliveries that came in from the right-hand sides. One that was slightly behind, I think it was Pong, and another one which flashed across goal. And I, I must admit then, Steve, I did wonder, I thought, I, I, I'm a big fan of C.J. Pong, and, and I like what he did, and, and I commentated on many of his games in, in Kansas City. But I thought Christian Ramirez in that particular situation would have been the better player to have because Ramirez is a natural poacher, a natural goal scorer. Right. Um, with or without service, we've seen him thrive and score goals. So immensely disappointed he didn't get on the field on, on Sunday evening. And I'm curious about what you think, it, how it matters for him that he didn't get to play. I think it'll, you know, a lot of people have said it, it'll probably light a fire under him to sort mm-hmm. of prove himself not even getting in the under, into the 18. Um but, you know, like, how does it benefit him just to do the training? I feel like that's got to help his perspective in some ways um, and probably help him coming back to the team. Yeah, I mean, I agree with whoever has said that it'll light a fire under his belly because you would imagine that would give him a little bit of inspiration saying, right, you didn't think I was good enough. Okay, well, I'm going to be so good this year that you can't ignore me again. Right. It, it certainly will have, first of all, given him a boost to be in the national team camp. I think it's always good for for any player at any level to get out of a, a little bit of a rhythm from time to time, particularly at, at this stage of the year as well, when we're talking about Major League Soccer, because it, it, it can provide a different perspective. Ramirez has been working under the stewardship of, of Adrian Heath very effectively, very well over the last 12 months, but perhaps another idea from another coach could expand you know, his horizons and, and, and could give him a new idea or two. So... I'm, I'm never against anybody having a new experience, and I, I think it would have done the world of good. But now, as, as you mentioned, him not getting into the national team uh, fold, I, I would expect him to come back all guns blazing. All right, so let's turn a little bit to training camp. Uh, the Loon just wrapped up training camp, they're now in Orlando. And I know you were, you came back to town during training camp, but mm-hmm. you got to see a bunch of practices and things like that. So, what have been? Uh, what's your sense of the team? Uh, over that, that training camp that you've seen so far. What I will say, Steve, it's the sharpest pre-season camp I think I've ever seen. Yeah. And I'm in the fortunate position to have seen quite a few. <laughs> um, I think the, the, there are several players that, that stood out for me. They've obviously kept themselves fit in the off-season. They've kept to the programme they were given, and perhaps done a little more as well. Uh, Geron Tisson was exceptional. You pronounced that very nicely, by the way. 
Well, I mean, like, it's, a, it's the correct pronunciation. I don't know what you're talking about for a second. We just call him Jerry. So, but yes. Jerome um, Tisson. It's, and look, I asked him. And it was the same with, with several other people. I'm, I'm, I'm people giving me a little bit of uh, abuse on, on social media, as people do these days, for pronouncing Johan Venegas wrong. That's his name. That's what I asked yeah, him. And I originally thought it was Johan as well. Yeah. But I asked him yeah. just to make sure, as I try and do with every player, and with all due respect, if that player says to me, this is how you say my name, I'm probably going to go with that. Yeah. So it was Johan Venegas. But no, Jérôme Tisson is the correct right. pronunciation according to him. Okay. Um, <laughs> moving on. Um, <laughs> he, 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 was, he was wonderful. Um, the other player who, who I was particularly impressed with was Abu Dunladi, who has clearly been in the gym in the offseason because he's come back much bigger. And he's come back perhaps the sharpest of them all. Several other players were were looking really good as well. I think it was was it uh, Thursday or Friday? I can't remember. The two goalkeepers that were involved in the scrimmage, which was a, a spectacular scrimmage, by the yeah. way. Bobby Shuttleworth and Alex Cap were tremendous. Shuttleworth was making all these spectacular saves, and, and uh, Alex Cap was was so assertive and so commanding. So it was it was a pleasure to watch. It really was. And um, as I said, the sharpest preseason camp. I think I've ever seen. I mean, clearly, the players have stuck to what they've been told to do in the off season, mm-hmm. and a lot of them have perhaps done a little more as well. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't have uh, eight years of, of MLS experience to call upon. I was I, I was talking about this earlier that I um, I joined the team basically about a year ago, mm-hmm. uh, just before training camp got started. So I came in not knowing anyone, and I came into a training camp where nobody knew anybody. It was 20 plus guys all getting together for sort of the first time. It was fun, wasn't it? It was, uh, I mean, it was fun. It was definitely exciting. I think I met everybody on production day uh, and that was, that. that's going to be fun again uh, this year. But my sense, you know, just sort of anecdotally from going to training, you know, over the first couple months of, of, of the season, I didn't really see a scrimmage as intense as I think we saw on like, I think it was Friday. Um, I didn't see that until a couple months into the season. Like it felt like Guys, there's a little barking, like in a good, healthy yep. way, like a getting after it kind of way. And like you said about Cap, that was that's another thing that you know we didn't see a lot from him last year. But a couple of people on the sidelines were commenting on how good he looked in goal. And so having you know three seriously legit goalkeepers with Lampson and Shuttleworth, uh, if Cap can be added to that, that's that's great. And I know that's one of Adrian's big things is competition uh, yep. and other guys pushing guys to be in that first team. So. Yeah, I think it was really fun. I like the rookies gave me a great impression on all of them, and I know the coaching staff all spoke universally about their willingness to work, I mean, ready to you know contribute and, and figure out what they can do. You got a little bit of that. The young guys trying to prove themselves, mm-hmm. and you could see uh, you know guys getting maybe a little a little frustrated when they couldn't do what they were being asked to do. They all talked about the speed of the game and how that's a huge uh, step up, but. They're all a lot of fun to talk to. Um, I think I talk, got to talk to all of them except Xavier. Is it Xavier? Have you talked to Xavier? I think it's Xavier. Xavier, okay. yeah, to my knowledge. Yes. I haven't spoken to him yet. I think you're right. I think you're right. So, so I haven't spoken to Xavier yet, but I spoke to Wyatt Omsberg and Mason Toy and Carter Manley, and uh, they were all fun to talk to. They all seemed to get into it. You know, they hit the ground running, had to do things like the beat test, which <laughs> some of them felt like that's, that was a little rough where you have to test your cardiovascular capacity, but... What were any first impressions of uh, those rookies individually or collectively? Yeah, all, all of them very impressive, actually. And I know Adrian Heath was sharing a, a very similar opinion. They, all the coaching staff were, were very impressed with, with the rookies that have been brought in. 
I think it was, was it Friday or Saturday, I can't remember. There, there was another scrimmage, and myself, Kendra Lise, Norbin, and Jamie Watson were standing uh, off to the sides on Carter Manley's side, and Carter was playing at right back, and he was very impressive. He's got an engine for sure, <laughs> not no issue with fitness with, uh, with Carter Manley. But it was fascinating being next to, to Mark Watson as well and chatting with, with him and, and listening to what he was saying to Carter in terms of positioning and you know when to go, when to press, and, and then when to come back and when to get back into shape and, and make sure the line is, is, um, is straight. And it, it was really fascinating. It was really good. But as I said, Matt Manley was superb. Mason Toy, again, towed the line really well and, and caused a problem for, for several defenders. Why I, I think, again, hardly put a foot wrong at all. Certainly didn't look out of place. Xavier, lovely feet. Really, really composed feet. I was surprised, actually. You know, um, I, I think you, you were saying earlier on, Steve, about how uh, college players, they, they come into to camp with MLS pre-season and they're surprised by the, the speed of the game. Yeah. Xavier fit right in and was very aware of the right places he needed to be. There was one particular play that came over to the left-hand side where he was, where he was playing. And instantly, he, he touched the ball inside with the outside of his right foot and again opened his body and, and played a ball inside and, and did exactly what he was supposed to do in that situation. Mm-hmm. So uh, early signs would suggest that he's got a, a good footballing brain, mm-hmm. uh, which is good. And, and um, uh, as I said, Steve, all, all the rookies have been very impressive so far. As of... The new addition ease as well. Uh, Tyrone Mears right. hardly put a foot wrong. Yeah, you talked um, about Tyrone saying you were particularly impressed with him coming in. Absolutely. I mean, he's been there, done that, and gotten the t-shirt. Yeah. You know, played in Ligue 1 in the top division in France, played in the Premier League, the Championship, for some very good teams as well. Yeah. Um, is the British accent maybe just making you feel like he's more polished <laughs> than he actually is, though? You're biased. He, he asked me where I was from when we did a little piece for the website. And uh, Birmingham... He's from Manchester. So we sort of have this little connection. Oh, you're not from London. Okay, so okay. I sort of have this little connection. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but no, didn't put a foot wrong at all. Thought he was superb. And he's, you know, I understand he's not a sexy signing, but sure. he's a piece of the puzzle. Yeah. And he, he's going to be of vital importance moving forward for this team, for sure. So is there any anti-London? I mean, are people against London as a place? I knew you were going to ask us as soon as I said that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> not particularly. Well, not, not in my household anyway. Okay. Um, I spent a lot of time in London over the last couple of years for, for work in particular. I, I, <laughs> there's no doubt about it. Being from London and being from Birmingham or Manchester, you are all slightly different. Sure. There's, there's no doubt about that. I don't think there's a bias at all, but I, I think a lot of people, perhaps the, people have suggested in the past that one or two people from London may very well think they are of a higher class. Sure. Now, I'm sure yeah. there are people who are, Yeah. but no, I, look, there's, there's, there's no bias or anything. I think London's a fabulous city <laughs> and, um, you know, I, I very much enjoyed my time there. Yeah, well, it happens here too, Cal. I mean, you know, <laughs> in the Twin Cities, and now the, the Super Bowl is descending upon us, mm. and somebody on Twitter today was saying, I'm just looking forward to everybody complaining about the weather here in the Twin Cities. And I do think we hear sort of have a chip on our shoulder about that we're sort of like yeah it's cold that's right like go back to LA <laughs> like, we like we like where we're from and so I have no problem with you know 
pride in, in one's region. I think that's mm. I think it's well earned, especially in a place a climate that can be as tough as, as Minnesota. So. Absolutely, it's um, it's fabulously frigid. I think yes. would be the best way to describe right. it. Okay, but so the flip side of this, some other some other MLS stuff. They Miami made another announcement. Hmm. I think they had already we already knew they were getting a team, but they made an announcement today that yep. they're having a team. They didn't tell us what the team is called or when they're coming in or anything like that. So a little short on detail. So but Miami is obviously the polar opposite. No pun intended, I guess, uh, of the polar weather that we have here. Have you have you been to Miami? Have you experienced it? And yeah, I have. What do you think of Miami? Uh, it was firmly sticky. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, a lovely place, yeah. Had, had, had no problem with it, no qualms. Um, I, look, I mean, I, I don't know much about the market and whether it's going to work or not. Um, I, I, I would say the evidence is there to suggest that it probably will because it seems like it's a footballing market. So, and look... Anything with with Beckham behind it is 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 usually a good thing. Myself and, and some of the, the video editing crew watched the, the whole announcements, um, and it and it was you know typically tedious. But I mean, when Beckham came up and, and made his rah rah type speech, I got very excited, and and I thought you know the connections that he has within the the global game. I'm excited to see what kind of players they are going to bring into Major League Soccer. Yeah. You only have to utter the word Miami and straight away several superstars will be turned on by them. Sure. Um, it's a party town. Of course. Of course it is. It's um, great. You know, there's, there's a big immigrant population. Right. Uh, strong Latino you know, community. So I think it'll be interesting. Yeah. I, I really do. So we'll, we'll wait and see. Only time will tell. But when, as I said, watching that press conference and the announcements, I, I was... Full of positivity. Yeah, I'm interested to see how. What I was doing before this was covering the NBA, mm-hmm. and the thing about the NBA is there's not as much. I mean, there's regionalisms and there's teams have character. Like San Antonio runs their business a certain way. Mm-hmm. The Lakers run their business a certain way. It doesn't seem as built on a regional identity in some ways because that pool of players is smaller. I think for the NBA. I mean, I've said this a lot of times, but if you're looking at inter- transactions in the NBA. The best guys in the world are in the NBA. Sure. You're, you're, a couple guys come over from Europe, but every year the draft is you're pulling in the best American players. This is this is where the game comes from. With soccer, you know, MLS is like there's players all over the world, mm-hmm. and you're always looking for guys who could work here. Yep. Um, I you know I was just talking to somebody about Giovinco and how good Giovinco has been for MLS, but you know when he was in Italy, it's like. He, Hardly playing, you know, like he would. Well, I wouldn't say he was hardly playing. Well, I mean, it's, you know, as opposed to say bringing over, you know, like a, a marquee superstar from a year, you know, you've got, you know, the Lampards and the Gerards and the Beckhams who have come over as, as sort of stars. Giovinco really blossomed with Toronto. Mm-hmm. And so you're try, always trying to look all over the world, look for different places. And you see a team like, you know, Atlanta who said he gets Tata and then he has a network of players and, and sort of clubs that he's, that he's drawing from, you know. Minnesota United, we had sort of a different approach. Some of those approaches change. LAFC, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, how their team grows. They're still they're still looking for players at this point. And Miami also is an opportunity to sort of express a certain ethos with the way the team gets built. It's uh, sort of an interesting thing for me to follow, I think, and, and see like how a team builds its its personality and its character as it as it develops. And now we'll have. Nashville is that uh, yep. coming in eventually? So mm-hmm. I don't know if they're just going to get a lot of musicians, like session guys. <laughs> as, as that's how they're going to build their team or not. But. I'm a big believer of, of expanding uh, and expanding into the right markets. This market, for example, Minnesota, with with the history it has, with the tradition it has, 
the game is deep in the roots in this market, in the Twin Cities. It always has been, and it always will be. So there was, this market was always going to work. And it's surprising that Minnesota United weren't in Major League Soccer a couple of years before. Right. I, what I will say, though, Steve, is let's, let's just be a little bit careful. Let's put our foot on the brake. You know, we've had the Miami announcement now, but there's going to be another one over the next couple of months as well. When we've done that, in my opinion, let's just put the foot on the brake a little bit and help out some of the other franchises that aren't aren't perhaps up to the level that, that Don Garber and Major League Soccer is, is now expecting. Sure. Um, without naming franchises, there are several that, that could perhaps do with a little little bit of help. Mm-hmm. So rather than expanding now elsewhere, let's just, you know, we're in a good spot now. We're in a very good spot. Let's just help out those who are perhaps in need of it a little more than others. Yeah, it's a tricky balancing act, that desire to expand and address those you know, different markets that have potential and the fact that, you know, the other thing is with the way the MLS is set up now where every team needs an academy, the academy is also funneling soccer talent that might not be being discovered otherwise mm-hmm. into a professional pathway. Yep. And so aside from any individual team being important, all these teams' academies are, you know, that's where the future of the U.S. men's national team, which is how, how we grow the game internationally and how we become part of that game, that's how we get those players. You know, So you talk about, you know, you look in England and you look how many teams there are and how small a territory that really is. You can see how many teams there are just in London that are you know, elite-level soccer teams. We well, have, I'm not sure Barnett would classify as elite, but yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, some more elite than others. But, um, <laughs> but you know, the, the distances involved in the U.S. are just so tremendous, and, you know, it, it's harder to build rivalries and things like that. So I can see that desire to have more stops along the way, more teams closer to each other, like the potential for, for bringing in more players. But I, I think you're right that it, there's a risk to going too fast um, yep. and getting ahead of yourself. Can I just point out as well, with all due respect to Barnet Football Club, they're a lovely little football club, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> he very, very much enjoyed my, my one or two visits there. Yes. Uh, I had another Beckham question. Where's Beckham from? From London. Okay. I'm not sure what part of London. Okay. Maybe East London? Yeah. I don't know. So somewhere was, in London. I was very thrown off by his voice the first time I heard him speak, because <laughs> um, I, I had sort of... Uh, I was aware of him in, say, the late 90s, okay. um, you know, Ben like Beckham, sure. etc. You know, and, and I followed the Premier League to some extent at that, at that time. And I'd seen him play, uh, and I never heard him speak. And I sort of imagined when he would speak that it would be a sort of sonorous. But then it's it's not like that. His voice is not like that at all. No, no, but, but he is one of these people. He, he is... Savagely good looking, isn't he? I mean, that, that's just, true. I, one of these, one of these <laughs> individuals that you just would never want to stand next to, right? Because you're always going to be the uglier of the two people, you know. And I just, yes, you know, <laughs> you. I, there are several things I could I could say about David Beckham. Yeah. If, if I ever stand next to him, like, all oh, right, you know, how, how are you? Lovely to meet you. And God, you're good looking, aren't you? <laughs> and just, oh, you, you know, so. several things I could say which I won't utter on this podcast. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> Goodness sake, why are you so good looking? Yeah. Stop it. It is a thing that happens with a lot of celebrities. Like, I lived in New York City for a while, and you would see, you would just sort of pass people, mm-hmm. you know, and it was always striking how there were a lot of celebrities where you're like, they're good looking, but you're usually seeing them in the context of other good looking celebrities. Right. right. Okay. This is sort of like basketball players. When you see them on the court, they don't look as big because they're next to other basketball players. Then you see someone like that just in the wild, and you're just instantly struck. In the wild. By how amazingly good looking <laughs> they are. Like I saw, I remember being at a, a place downtown in um, Soho uh, called Cafe Habana that a friend of mine worked at for mm-hmm. brunch one time. 
and I have always dressed like a schlub, basically. I can't, I can't get away from it. So, and, and so I'm downtown, and it's like a Sunday morning, and everyone around me is dressed up for brunch in New York on a Sunday, and I'm you know, wearing jeans or whatever like that. And in comes Natalie Portman, who was going to school, I believe, at that, I think she was at Columbia or, oh, wow. or maybe NYU. And she comes in, and she's like, she's Sunday. She's like sweatshirt, ponytail. And I was like, you are better looking than everyone else in this place who is dressed so <laughs> up for this. And it was like, and yes, yeah, so uh, the stratospherically good-looking people make everyone uncomfortable, I think. They probably shouldn't go out in public. So what we're saying is, if you're good-looking, stay indoors. Yeah, yeah. Just, you know, don't make the rest of us feel so bad. No. So, you know. Agreed. I agree with that. <laughs> so, uh, other MLS rumor, uh, which is either Gnubich or the LA Galaxy, has, has reared its, its head once again. And I find this one interesting because um, you hear a lot of, now about how different, how designated players are being used differently. You're seeing teams bring in younger South American players, uh, looking at MLS as sort of a pathway to European play. And, and a lot of commentators talk about MLS becoming a selling league and sort of developing young talent and moving it on and how that sort of a sort of major stepping stone toward MLS becoming a league more like other leagues in, in the world. So, but then you still have, I mean, then you have the story of Ibrahimovic coming over as a 36 year old uh, to play for LA, which feels like old school. But uh, it, it does, but it's different because it's Ibrahimovic. Right. And, and I think if there was several other people in world football that came over at 36, we, we would all cringe at it, wouldn't we really? Because we are very much now past that, but it's Ibrahimovic. Right. You're not only getting a player, you're getting a global brand as well. Yeah. Um, and, and, and look, I mean, we saw what he did the last Premier League campaign with Manchester United. So we can still clearly play. Yeah. It's not like LA Galaxy are signing a washed-up has-been. Mm-hmm. You know, this is a player who is still very much uh, at the peak of his powers and will offer them, should it get done, <laughs> yeah. he will offer them something that they don't have and offer them a very good outlet. A frontline that Ibrahimovic and Ola Kamara, yeah. that, that's mouth-watering. Yeah. I mean, well done, LA Galaxy, if that right. deal gets done. And... The, the most fascinating thing about that, Steve, and, and I don't know, I have no idea if this is true, but it was suggested by a couple of people that he won't be a designated player. Hmm. He will be a, a TAM player. Oh. I'm, I'm very much a fan of, of young players coming to this league from South America or from Europe or wherever in the world. It doesn't matter. And, and I'm glad the league has, has moved away from mm-hmm. this, this, this sort of reputation that it used to have of being a, a place you would come to finish your career. Right. Ibrahimovic will come and do that, but it's Ibrahimovic, sure. and he'll he'll light this league up. He really will. Yeah, is it? If you're talking about what position guys are playing as they get older, it seems like a good striker is not the same as like as you age as a midfielder, uh, where maybe it's maybe a little bit easier to be an older striker if you have the skills still. Um, it it depends fair? what kind of a player you are. Ah, I guess if, so. if you're a centre forward throughout the majority of your career that's that's mainly relied on pace, then well, you yeah, right, <laughs> might okay. have to adapt your game, you know, when sure. you're 36. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, if you're, so for example, if, you, if you're Christian Ramirez, I think Ramirez could very well go and play until he's 35 yeah. and be quite effective right. because his game doesn't rely on pace. The same can be said for, for someone like Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Uh, in terms of the Premier League, I think there's an individual right now who will play for a long time, and that's Harry Kane, because Kane doesn't really rely on, on speed. There was a centre-forward... Uh, in England for uh, for a number of different teams uh, who played until I think he was 41 mm-hmm. uh, a guy called Teddy Sheringham who is the epitome of, of playing until you are of a certain age because you don't need certain tools if it's up in your head yeah. 
you don't necessarily need to run as much and, and you don't need a, the amount of pace that may be required for other players. So I'm not suggesting that slower players are much cleverer than, uh, than, right. than players with pace, but um, you know, there's something to be said if, if you don't necessarily need pace yeah. to be effective. But again, and also it depends on, on the system that you're playing as well. Sure, so sure. Um, that makes sense. It, it all comes down to the individual. Yeah, it's just interesting as, as you know, in any sport, how players age and how they can change their skill sets. Or I was going to say, what, what, what's, it, what's it like for a, from a basketball point of view? Like, do, do you do you become more effective with age, or what's the how, well, does it work? I mean, I think with basketball, it's rare to see somebody play. I mean, thirty five is a pretty high upper bound for your okay. absolute bests, like Kevin Garnett and Kobe Bryant. They they got to about thirty nine, forty, and. Garnett was really interesting because when he came back to the Wolves, he was obviously passed way past his prime. It was his last couple of years of playing. But you could see that his understanding of footwork, um, where to put his feet in order to defend, that didn't go away. Like, he wasn't as fast as other guys, so he couldn't show and recover as quickly. But he knew when to show and recover, and that meant that he didn't have to waste a lot of energy on it. I've always been fascinated by Vince Carter, who's still playing in the league, and he's 40 now. Especially as a guy who, when he was young, it was all about his explosiveness and his dunks and everything like that. Okay. But, you know, within the first couple of years of his career, he started really working on his shooting. Um, he became a, a, a good three-point shooter after not being particularly noted for that early on. And then eventually became a six-man for the Dallas Mavericks and converted a whole skill set. Like, he started using all that stuff, that his knowledge of the game and everything like that. And he's made a career now out of being a role player as he's aged, and I think it's because he understood what the limitations were of a game that was strictly based on, on athleticism. He also suffered a knee injury that I think forced him to reevaluate what he could and couldn't do. But, I mean, I'm sure the same thing happens in soccer, where it's like some guys, you see it from the youth, like, you know, the, you know, we have an academy here with Minnesota United, and obviously there's guys who are younger, at the same age as their, their, their peers, they're going to be stronger or faster. If they don't learn how to do things other than be strong and fast, eventually they're going to get to a level where other people are as strong and as fast as them. Mm-hmm. So you can imagine that it goes all the way up to the, the pros. If there's somebody who's always faster, but then suddenly they lose a step, if they don't have a complementary skill set to put in, then you know their career is going to suffer. But if you can stay smart and know what, what your strength is and know how to you know compensate for your weaknesses and, and make yourself better when you can, I think that's the key for you know, a long career, I guess. So. Yeah, in all sports, yeah. Yeah. Great. All right, let's do some non-soccer. We did a lot of soccer already, so I can't guarantee <laughs> there's always going to be this much soccer, but um, the, we're, we're wrapping up the off-season. You've done some traveling. I follow you on Instagram and, and Twitter, so so where where have you been around the world in your, in your off-season? The off-season was great. I just sat back and got fat. It was brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> it was... Uh, so I... I uh, obviously, the season ended, um, ended prematurely here, so... Went back to the UK. It was just good to, to go and spend some time back there and, and see family and friends, you know, and do, do little things like see my grandmother, you know, just things, that you, you know, when you live away, you, you don't see these people very often. Sure. So it's nice to have a cup of tea with her and a good good chat. We had um, New Year in Cancun, which was... That was awful. Yeah, it was, it was interesting. <laughs> it was nice. I sat back on the beach and just listened to the Premier League. It was wonderful. Didn't burn as well, which which was a big accomplishment for myself because I always You're come back looking fair. like a lobster. Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then uh, back up to Kansas City, back here in Minneapolis for a little bit, then back over to the UK and, and more time with family and friends. And I, I did a little bit of work when I was over there, Steve, but it, it's, you know, I called a couple of Football League and Premier League games and whatnot, but it, oh, nice. it, it, it wasn't really um, an aim of mine. You know, I, if, if, if it was there, great, but sure. 
as I mentioned, you know, I don't get to see a lot of people who I grew up with and, and people from home anymore. So it was more about spending time with them and, you know, having a pint with my dad in the local pub and that kind yeah. of stuff, you know. So, and then um, the missus and I ended up having a couple of days uh, up in Iceland, which was yeah. a very interesting experience. It, yeah. It's a, quite the place. <laughs> it's, it's, it looks beautiful. Um, I've had some friends who've had some amazing experiences there. There's a friend of mine who went to a, a festival, like a music festival there, okay. um, that he said was just incredible. It was it was all in these little venues. Yep. And, you know, it, was a good, it went all night. I think it was in the summer, so that you know it was light, incredibly late, obviously, mm-hmm. so far north and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. So yeah, and he said it's just the the culture is just its own thing. It's just sort of there by itself. It, so. It's unlike anywhere I've ever been, to be honest, Steve. I've been very fortunate in my life to you know, do a lot of Europe. Um, and, and travel around a bit, um, whether it's for, for work or pleasure. And Iceland was borderline bizarre because we were obviously there in the winter and the sun rises at 11 a.m. in the morning. So myself and the missus like, great, let, let's get up for sunrise, shall we? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then um, it, it sets at 4 o'clock in the afternoon, so it's, it, it's quite bizarre, but it's very expensive there. I will yeah. say that, obviously, because they have to import everything and whatnot but yeah fabulous really enjoyed it really really nice and then I had another few days just back in England just saying goodbye to everybody and uh, and then I'm back here so it's um it was busy I'm, I'm still not quite sure what time zone I'm in sure uh, I've only been back for six days now I think it is you know awake at four in the morning and whatnot so yes. Um, well, you should try having two children at some point. I was just about to say. It's, it's almost like having jet lag 24 hours a day. You just never know what time it is. Absolutely. How, how was your off-season? What did you get up to? Uh, it was good. Uh, I, I mean, I sort of, at the, toward the end of the season, I was, I, I sort of had this naive thought of looking forward to the off-season because mm-hmm. when, I, when I covered the NBA, since I wasn't working for a team, the off-season meant I just stopped working for yep. a while. That's I mean, fun when freelance, isn't it? Yeah, it was a freelance, <laughs> you know, and so like you would pick up stuff here and there, but it was it was a lot less pressure. Here, you know, the off-season was the time to set up plans for the next season, so mm-hmm. sort of went right into it, and uh, it's been crazy and, and fun, but I have gotten away a little bit. My wife and I went up to um, Grand Marais for our 10th anniversary uh, in the fall. It's up on the North Shore, so do you know where okay. Duluth is? Yes, it is. Okay, so if you keep going past Duluth for about another hour and a half, two hours, you get to okay. Grand Marais. It's sort of like the last little town before you keep, I mean, there's still a ways to go, but then you get up to Thunder Bay and you go over to Canada. So forgive my Minnesota night. Yeah, you got to go to Grand Marais. <laughs> Grand Marais is amazing. It's okay. a fantastic little town. There's a lot of art. There's a lot of art galleries there. There's terrific hiking. There's good restaurants. It sort of has that. It's kind of, a, I mean, it's a tourist spot. A lot of people go there, but we were there sort of in the late season, sort of late October, and it, it was just beautiful. Not too crowded. Stuff was sort of getting ready to shut down for the winter because it, it gets really cold and icy up there. And then pretty much didn't do anything else until I got to around the new year and then went down to Florida. This is my dad and his wife. And, uh, mm-hmm. Again, it sounds terrible. Yeah, yeah it, was, it, was, it was pretty good. It was pretty yeah. good. Although, again, that was with the kids. And, and when you have two kids, you don't really get to do things like just lay by the pool. Okay. Uh, you sort of have to be engaged with, with the kids. But, mm-hmm. but the kids are a lot of fun. I'm almost six-year-old and a two-year-old now. So I, I was, um, was going to say, I, I don't have kids. Everybody I ask about kids, they first of all make it sound absolutely petrifying. Yes. And then they make it sound like it's the best thing in the world. Uh, yeah. So where, where are you in the... It's both. <laughs> I mean, it really is one of those things that is, it is a really difficult thing to do, but it's also so rewarding in a lot of really tiny ways that are sort of impossible to measure, but you just don't have them. It just gives you experiences you're never going to have. It's not better than not having kids. Mm. I mean, I fully, I'm fully fine with people who decide never to have children. Right. Um, but it just things happen that 
I mean, here's a good example. Okay, so I, I'm a musician, and uh, my and we'll talk more about music at, an, on another, at another podcast, but because um, I know you have some musical experience as well. <laughs> but uh, my old old band that I was in right after I was in in high school and college, we haven't played together in a long time, but we started doing reunion shows, and we made a record this past summer of, of songs that we hadn't gotten to record while we were still together, and it was kind of a vanity thing. It was fun to do and fun to see the guys again, but it became my oldest daughter's like favorite album. You know, and wow. it's what she wanted to listen to all the time. And the other day we were driving to school and listening to it. And it got to the end of a song and we were almost at school. And she said, pause it here. I don't want to have to stop in the middle of the next song. <laughs> Which is someone who's a music appreciator and a lover of albums. Again, it's just this little moment that you're like, ah, this is, I'm raising them right. You know, right she has absolutely. appreciation for the form. She's not going <laughs> to cut it off in the middle of it. So, wow. uh, yeah, roll that. There's full, life gets to be full of those things like that, and that's that's a lot of fun. So I must admit, I, I am looking forward to to being here. I'm not quite, quite sure what kind of a dad I'll be, but yeah. I am looking forward to it. Well, you know. have that authoritative voice, so you can leverage that. I, I think if you if you meet the missus, she's very much the one with the authority. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> now, are your kids going to have a British accent, do you think? How does that work? I don't know. That's a very good question. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, secretly, I'm hoping so, because that'll be wonderful. Yeah, um, or they'll just imitate you viciously. Maybe they'll just think all dads have a British accent and just, you know, be (laughs) thoroughly confused when they go to school or something. I don't know. Thanks for joining us for our first Everything Soccer podcast. We'll be back in a couple of weeks to talk about the team's preseason work in Orlando, kit reveal that's coming up on February 11th, taste test the latest Tide Pods, and we'll talk about whatever else comes up from Minnesota United between now and then. Be sure to follow the team on Twitter at MNUFC. You can follow Cal at CalWilliamsCom, that's C-O-M-M, and myself at Steve Entris. And remember, there's only one person in this whole world like you, and people can like you exactly as you are.